You've probably heard the stories of many titans of industry. People like John D. Rockefeller, Sam Walton, Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos grew their companies to become large enterprises and then became fantastically wealthy. To be sure, having intelligence, skill, and foresight can certainly lead to success in business. But sometimes, it's far better to be lucky than good. And no one embodies this more than Lord Timothy Dexter. Learn more about Timothy Dexter and how he stumbled his way into a fortune on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Several times I've mentioned the grass-fed and grass-finished ground beef and steaks that you can get from ButcherBox. This time, I'd like to tell you about their exceptional salmon and seafood. Most of the salmon that you might buy at a store is actually farm-raised. These salmon are fed a diet that isn't natural for salmon, and as a result, their flesh tends to be gray, not pink. To compensate for this, they're then fed a synthetic chemical to replicate the color of natural salmon. ButcherBox sources all of its seafood directly from independent fishing operations in places like Alaska, Maine, and Massachusetts. Everything is wild-caught and sustainably harvested with no added chemicals, dyes, hormones, or preservatives. The result is some of the finest salmon, scallops, cod, and shrimp delivered directly to your door. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com daily and use code DAILY at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com daily and use code DAILY. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by Expedia's Outravel the System podcast. I know you love to hear the story behind the story, so let me tell you why I think you might want to listen to the Expedia podcast, Out Travel the System. This season alone, the show talks to someone on a mission to visit every country in the world. In case you're wondering, the tally stands at 194 out of 197 countries. There's the man who's visited and stayed at literally thousands of hotels, who shares some of his favorite unique accommodations and experiences. Or how about the woman who has reached some deep philosophical conclusions about travel and privilege in no small part because of the pandemic? Get all of this and more when you tune into the show, including larger insights about the future of travel, as well as tips and tricks to maximize your savings for your next trip, whenever you feel ready to head out into the world again. You can find Out Travel the System on your podcast platform of choice. Timothy Dexter started his life with very humble beginnings. He was born into the town of Malden in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1747. He didn't receive much of an education growing up. When he was eight years old, he dropped out of school to work on a farm. At the age of 16, he became an apprentice to a tanner. It was a fine trade to be in back in the day, but nothing that would make you significantly wealthy. When he finished his apprenticeship, he was given a set of clothes by the tanner who he worked for. It was called a freedom suit. He sold his freedom suit for $8.20 and used that money to relocate to Newburyport, Massachusetts. This was where his good luck started. 
While in Newburyport, he met the woman he would marry, Elizabeth Frothingham. Elizabeth was a widow ten years older than Dexter. She had four children and a very nice house in Newburyport. There, he set up shop making gloves and selling other leather goods, as well as reselling blubber from whalers. By the end of the Revolutionary War, he had saved up several thousand dollars, which was quite a bit of money back then. So far, his story is nothing special. He was a middle-aged man living in Newburyport who had a fine business. But it was at this point that he began a string of insanely successful, yet at face, incredibly stupid investments. The first investment was in Continental Dollars. During the Revolutionary War, the Continental Congress issued the first American currency, and it quickly became worthless. The phrase, not worth a continental, came from this currency. Almost no one accepted the currency by the end of the war, yet many people, especially poor people, were paid in this currency and could do nothing with it. After the war, many of the wealthy citizens in Newburyport began buying continentals, mostly as a charity gesture. Dexter, however, wanted to earn the respect of the local elite who never quite respected him, and went all in. He purchased the worthless currency just to give people something in return, and he purchased the currency for less than a penny to the dollar. Later, when the federal government was formed, they agreed to purchase all of the outstanding continental dollars at 1% of face value. Dexter made a killing. His success in currency trading seems relatively normal in comparison to what he then did. He used the money he made from the currency investing and purchased two ships that shipped goods to Europe and the Caribbean. Despite his success, he was extremely gullible and desperately wanted to be accepted by high society. Someone suggested that he should ship bedwarmers down to the Caribbean. So he did. Bedwarmers, as the name would suggest, are used to keep a bed warm. They look like frying pans with a lid on top with a very long handle. You would fill the pans with coals from a fire and then slip it under a mattress to keep you warm at night. They were completely useless in the Caribbean. So when he shipped the bed warmers down to the Caribbean, everyone had a laugh at the expense of Timothy Dexter. He had purchased 42,000 of them. But Dexter had the last laugh because the bed warmers sold out. Molasses manufacturers found the bed warmers to work great as long-handled ladles for dipping into molasses vats. They never used them before because no one else had thought to ship bed warmers down to the Caribbean. He sold all 42,000 of them at a 79% markup. They next convinced him to ship wool mittens down to the Caribbean. And again, he sold them all. He found a ship that was on its way to Siberia that had space in its cargo hold. They bought out the entire sock to resell them later. Newburyport had a problem with stray cats. The city fathers voted on destroying all the cats, and the motion failed. The next day, however, Dexter ran an ad in the local paper offering to buy any and all cats, and that he would treat them well and find a home for them. People wanting to get rid of the cats were happy to get rid of them for anything they could get. Dexter took the cats and shipped them down to the Caribbean, where warehouse owners gladly paid a hefty price for them to rid their warehouses of rat infestations. He shipped Bibles down to the West Indies. He bought Bibles at what he called 12% under half price, or 47 cents. He then created a pamphlet that was distributed in all the islands in the Caribbean, saying that everyone needed to have a Bible or they were going to hell. He sold 21,000 copies and cleared $47,000. He shipped wool gloves to Polynesia, where they were bought by Portuguese merchants on their way to China. He cornered the market on whalebone in Massachusetts. He purchased 340 tons of whalebone, and then sold it at a 75% markup. It was used in corsets, collars, buggy whips, and a host of other products. Whalebone was the plastic of the 18th century. 
Perhaps his greatest trading feat, however, was when he shipped coal to Newcastle, England. For non-British people in the audience, the phrase sending coal to Newcastle is a euphemism for doing something useless. Newcastle was a huge coal-producing region, and if there's one thing they didn't need to be shipped in, it was coal. Sure enough, Timothy Dexter literally shipped coal to Newcastle on the bad advice of an associate. In an incredible stroke of dumb luck, there was a coal miner strike going on at the time, and he managed to sell out his shipment. All of these odd but successful trades made Dexter a very wealthy man. All of his wealth, however, never gained him the acceptance of high society that he sought. Despite obviously having some sort of business talent, he was still very uneducated and had a very eccentric and abrasive personality. He purchased a giant mansion, and then proceeded to create a sculpture garden with wooden statues of 40 famous people. These included George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Napoleon, and, of course, himself. The inscription at the base of his statue read, quote, I am the first in the East, the first in the West, and the greatest philosopher in the Western world. End quote. He wrote a book and published it, giving copies away for free. The title of the book was A Pickle for the Knowing Ones. It was about 8,800 words long, and it was filled with spelling errors, and it lacked any punctuation. And when I say spelling errors, I mean like almost every other word is misspelled. The book went through eight printings, and in one of the later printings, he added punctuation at the end of the book. He literally just added rows of commas and periods at the end and told the readers to insert it themselves. In the introduction, I called him Lord Timothy Dexter. He wasn't, of course, a lord. He was American. But he wanted people to call him that. If people called him Lord, he would give children coins or buy someone a drink. He desperately wanted to hold a public office. However, no one thought that he was competent enough to hold such a position. He was eventually given the title of the Informer of Deer. His job was to keep track of the town's deer population. However, the town had no deer. It was an early American equivalent of Homer Simpson's Bear Patrol. He would drink and cheat on his wife, which she, of course, didn't like. So he treated her as if she was dead. He literally refused to acknowledge that she existed. Later in his life, he wanted to see what his funeral would be like. So he faked his own death. He watched 400 people show up for his wake. Later at the wake, people heard a commotion in the kitchen. It was Timothy Dexter hitting his wife with a cane because she wasn't crying at his funeral. Hey, I never said he was a good guy. On October 26, 1806, Timothy Dexter passed away for real. His plans to be buried in the large mausoleum on his estate were nixed by the city government, and he was placed in a plot in a local cemetery. Timothy Dexter did have a lot of luck, but some of it also might have been him playing stupid to get an advantage on other traders. But unquestionably, there was a lot of luck. If anything, Timothy Dexter proved the old adage that it's sometimes better to be lucky than to be good. The associate producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Thor Thompson. If you'd like to support the show, please donate over at Patreon.com. There is content only available to supporters, merchandise, and even opportunities for a show producer credit. If you know someone you think would enjoy the show, please share it with them. Also remember, if you leave a five-star review, I'll read your review on the show.